So, summer series, sharing, uh, sharing Jesus naturally, shining. Uh, we've had uh, some great messages already, and uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a different angle today. Uh, when I talked to Pastor Terry uh, about my message, uh, I told him what I felt like the Lord was impressing on my heart, and he said, yeah, you know what, let's go for it. And so... The angle I'm going to take is, uh, up until this point, we've talked a lot about how to share um, different uh, examples of sharing in, in the scriptures. Well, I'm going to take that sharing Jesus naturally, literally, and I'm just going to share uh, as naturally as possible what the Lord has done in my life. And I'm going to talk about my past. I don't do it a lot. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it today. Some of you may have heard bits and pieces here and there, um, but I'm going I'm to share a little bit differently today. And so hopefully by the time we're done, you'll be encouraged by some of the things the Lord's done in my life. I put a passage of scripture in your handout, or if you have a Bible, it's 1 Timothy 1. Um, again, this is Paul speaking. Paul's writing to a, uh, a mentee, somebody who is uh, sort of his protege, uh, his what he calls his son in the faith and he writes this letter to him and he's basically doing what I'm going to do in a minute he's sharing uh, naturally about you know his experience and so we'll pick up in verse 12 I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength to do his work he considered me trustworthy and he appointed me to serve him even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ in my insolence I persecuted his people but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with, with the faith and the love that comes from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying. Everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them all. And so this is where my title, The Worst, comes from. It wasn't about, how, you know, this being the worst message ever. Um, it was about Paul, Paul identifying himself and his past and some of the things that had happened to him uh, and how he felt like he was just the worst person ever. And some of you may be able to relate. I certainly can relate to that. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. Paul, at his best, was an accomplice to murder. We know this from the Bible, that he participated in rounding up followers of Jesus and having them um, destroyed. And it was, he made it his mission to, 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 to undermine the work of the Lord and to destroy those people who followed him. And so at best, he's an accomplice to murder. At worst, well, you get the at worst, right? Um, and so he's, this is where he's coming from when he says, God came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst. God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus, here's, uh, here's what he's saying. Why did he have mercy on him? So that Christ Jesus could use him as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and, and receive eternal life. All honor, glory to God forever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. So he's now 
breaking out into psalm of praise when he is reminded about how much he's been forgiven. And then he goes on to say this to Timothy. Timothy, my dear son, here are my instructions for you. Based on the prophetic words spoken to you earlier, may they help you fight in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear, for some have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. So the worst. Paul thinks he's the worst. Some of us may be able to relate to that. I'm going to just uh, share a little bit right now about my past. And I don't do this much, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it today, and I'm going to do it in a way I don't think most of us have heard. Um, so bear with me. I was born here uh, uh, in, in the East Bay, born in Oakland, raised in the East Bay, and uh, was, uh, as a kid, I, I went to parochial school, um, but I can't say I ever really knew God. Uh, I can't say I came from a very religious family. We, we kind of got, we, we made sure we got to 8 o'clock mass so that by the time I got home, uh, we, we got home we could make the first football game. Um, and so we more went out of duty, and it was a check mark. And, and so for me personally, I just didn't really know the Lord. I knew about him some, but I never knew him. Now, what I did know was, uh, and, and what my family was good at, was partying. And so uh, I mentioned football. If we were going to tailgate at a game, game started at 1. We were there when the doors opened, usually around 8 in the mornings you know, maybe earlier, um, so that we could get the party rolling. Uh, I grew up around that. Um, by the time I reached high school, my parents would allow me to have a, a, a beer here and there. Well, at least my dad did. My mom probably wasn't thrilled with it. But, um, and so by the time I'm a sophomore in high school, um, I, I'm in sort of enveloping into this, this partying lifestyle. I, uh, took a job. Uh, let me back up a little. So I grew up on boats. My dad owned tugboats, and I grew up in the maritime industry. And so by the time I was 16, I took a job on, on uh, tour and ferry boats, working with longshoremen. And as you can imagine, when uh, you get off work with longshoremen, you hit the bar. So even at 16, I'm beginning to uh, just develop a lifestyle that revolves around that sort of, you know, living for the weekend, living for five o'clock, uh, hit the bar, and uh, eat, drink, and be merry. You know, uh, that was kind of the, the motto I had. Well, this is the 80s. As most of you know, in the 80s, there was um, uh, a lot of cocaine around. Uh, I got involved in that, um, and uh, it, th that helped spiral me down out of control a little bit. Now, the next decade, well, more than that, till I'm from 16 to 33, was a progression, and I won't give you all the gory details, but a progression of going from, you know, just partying all the time to just, um, uh, just being as the worst. Okay, I'll use the phrase, the worst. Just being the worst. And um, I couldn't stop. You know, and at some point, you, you know you have a problem, but you don't want to admit it. And people go, oh, they're in denial. They, they, they won't say they have a problem. I'm not in denial. I know I have a problem. I'm just not going to tell you. Because if I tell you, then I have to get some help. And I don't want any help. I like what I'm doing. So um, 
I, you know, I'd get up, I'd go, Lord, help me. I, I, well, I didn't even know the Lord. But I would just say, I'm not going to drink. I'd say, I'm not going to drink, okay? I'm not going to drink, at least for an hour. Well, you know, first it was at least for eight hours. Then it was seven hours. And finally, I'm not going to drink for a half an hour, and I'd make one minute. And uh, this progression got worse and worse. And I, uh, by the time I was in my uh, young 30s, I was in bondage. I was completely addicted to everything you can imagine. Couldn't stop for the life of me. I, I wanted to, but I couldn't. My, my life was, consisted of, of this. I would try to sleep. You could sleep about, oh, half an hour, an hour. And then you would wake up with the shakes. And so then you would have uh, you know, already poured drinks or beers by your bedstand because you knew it was going to happen, and you were too shaky to pour it. So you had to do this the night before. So that's my past calling me. Um, <laughs> reminding me. Um, and, and so I, I'd put the, you know, I, I would have to, you know, I couldn't function. I couldn't even sleep. I have the viol I'd have violent shakes. I'd wake up sick, throwing up. I have to slam down whatever I could to try to just get uh, calm enough to be able to, to, to get out of bed and get to the shower, grab a six pack, go to the shower, because the shower was a six pack. Um, you know, and um, you know, a car ride was a, a six pack, and uh, whatever it was. You know, that's how much it, you know, I had to, this is what it's going to take to get me through this. And a miserable way to live, to say the least. And uh, I decided, you know, well, I didn't decide, but my work decided that I needed help. And they said, if you don't get help, you can't work here. And I said, no problem, because I'll just tend bar. Um, which tending bar for somebody like me was not a good idea. Um, so I lived in a bar. And I, I had lost my house. Um, well, actually, I didn't lose it. I knew where it was. But the bank took it <laughs> and put a lock on it and said, don't come back. And um, I had um, gone through a divorce. And I had gone through um, uh, several other, you know, very trying circumstances because I, I threw everything. I threw everything in my life away, and I was uh, sick every day, bleeding internally. Doctor said you've only got six months to live, and I was thinking, why can't it be one day? And so I felt like six months was too much, and I decided. If I gathered up my stash from everywhere, because I got some stuff in the car and some in the trunk and some in the glove box, and I got some in shoes, and you got some, you know, because you need different things for different things, up for this, down for that. And if I put it all in a pile and I get myself a bottle of booze, a bottle of Jägermeister, and I drink that whole bottle and I take all those pills, um, I'll be done. 
and that was a good idea to me. And so I did that. And um, I should have I died. I, I don't know why I didn't die. The Lord spared me. The, uh, I woke up in a hospital. Somebody had found me and passed out, and they drove me to a hospital, and they, they locked me up, chained me to the bed in the hospital, and they said, okay, um, you know, you're under watch or whatever. <clears throat> and uh, I, if you think that despair is not being able to stop drinking or doing drugs or, or wanting to kill yourself, imagine what it's like when you have all of that and now they've taken away the drugs and the alcohol, the only thing that sort of kept you going, your coping mechanism for life. And so I'm stuck. I'm stuck locked up. I'm stuck detoxing and um, sick. And, and um, I still want to die. But I failed at that. It's like I failed at everything. And you can imagine. I hope I'm not bringing you all down. <laughs> you can imagine the despair I felt. Um, Anyways, the, the, I, get, I have to get sober long enough for them to let me out. And so uh, being sober, getting through the detox period, um, and being locked up provided me an opportunity to at least see my life uh, through sober eyes and decide maybe, maybe there was a chance. Um, and so I decide I'm going to go the AA route and the, um, and the recovery route and see if, if I can't stay sober. So I spend the next year going to meetings in fellowship uh, with people that are uh, like me. And um, I'm having you know, relapses here and there. But for the most part, I'm, I'm trying to stay sober. Uh, and somebody says, you know, if you, you've got these required meetings you have to go to, and they check the box and sign off on it. And they said, you know, if you go to church, they can actually, that counts as a meeting. You get credit for that. And so um, that's the only reason I came in here, <laughs> for a checkbox. Um, wasn't really seeking the Lord or anything. Uh, I wanted my box checked. And... Uh, I walked through these doors, 1994, and the music started, the message went, and I felt for the first time in my life, I, I, well, I don't know in my life, you know, because as a kid, I think you're happy. But for the first time that I, since I can remember, I feel some sort of peace, some, something like there's more out there, right? Uh, like there's maybe some hope. And I, so I come back about a month later. Um, and then maybe three weeks after that, and then maybe two weeks after that. And so my, you know, my, I'm starting to come a little bit more often. But I don't really know God. I don't know what this whole thing's about. And I, I'm, just, uh, I, I'm just trying to hang on. I'm white-knuckling this thing, right? If 
I can just stay sober today. Well, over the period of a year, God, you know, sort of revealed himself over time. It was a process. And in 1995, December of 1995, I got baptized right in there um, when they didn't have hot water. <laughs> it was like 40 degrees. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget that moment because there was something about my saying, God, I'll follow you, that God showed up in a mighty way. And I, I felt the, the presence of the Lord in a very real way that I can't describe because it's supernatural, but I can only tell you it changed my life forever. It is the demarcation point in my life. It is the before and after point in my life. I have never been the same since. And I will never question whether there's a God ever again because I, I, I know it. It's why I'm a pastor. And there was something that happened that day where I went from having to fight every day to try to stay sober to I was free. And God released things in, from me and I was, uh, the chains came off. And you know what? Praise the Lord. I've never, I hadn't felt that. And, you know, it was like, I can't believe, I couldn't even make five minutes. And all of a sudden, now, it's like, I'm living in a victory. And it was so, it was such a, a you know, an unbelievable experience. And so I can connect with Paul. I know what Paul's saying when he says, I'm the worst of the sinners, but God showed, showed grace to me so that other people would know his patience. And if I'm not telling you all my dirt um, because I want to, like, somehow, you know, prop the dirt up, like, you know, look at, look at what happened. I, I'm telling you because God can do anything. God can do anything in anybody's life. And I'm an example of it, so is Paul. And so as I, I looked through the passage and reflected on on what was going on there, um, there are a few things that I wanted to, to bring out. Um, and that's the, f the first one I just mentioned is, you know what? Nobody's beyond God's grace. Nobody's beyond God's grace. No matter how bad your past has been, no matter what you think you, you can never break free of, no matter what's gone on before today, I can tell you God can and does redeem people. He sets people free. It's amazing. And he doesn't just set them free, so you know what, great, I get to go to heaven. He sets them free, and they live a, a fulfilling life here. You know, Paul's talking about serving him and being involved in ministry and doing things for God. It's a victorious lifestyle. It's not a, whew, I just made it by, I'm not drinking anymore. You know what? It's an impact life now. And so if you look at, at verse uh, 15 and 16, it says, this is a trustworthy saying. Everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I'm the worst of them. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. You know what? God had patience with me so that he could use me as an example. And if, if you hear nothing else today, I, I hope you hear that 
God does not write us off because we have dark secrets in our past. You, you, can't, you can't be so bad that God's given up on you. He rescues us, and he uses us. And I have no doubt that God's going to use what I say today in somebody's life to encourage them and let them know there is another side. There's another side. So the uh, second thing I thought of is, um, but that, that past, that worst, you know, as Paul called it, the worst, that's not our identity, though. If you're like me and you've got a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, stains from your past and you, you come into this thing, a lot of times we sort of live with that as our identity and we, we go, yeah, that, that's me, the sinner, you know, put the scarlet S on my chest because I'm, I'm the worst of them all. But Paul had the capacity to say, yeah, I'm the worst of them all, but he also had the capacity to say this in Philippians, you know what? I don't count myself as having apprehended, but one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind and reach forward. Paul had the capacity to use his past for good, to encourage people that God is patient, loving, and kind, and at the same time to leave it alone and say, that's not me. That, that's not me anymore. You know what? Here's what the Bible has to say. You know, we go, well, I'll never amount to anything. I'm the worst, blah, blah, blah. But you know, the Bible has to say, you know what? Your sins and your lawless deeds I will remember no more. As far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. Though your sins be like scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That's what the Bible says. And so if you're like me and you come with all this baggage from the past, it wants to beat you up. The baggage is always hanging over your head saying, yeah, 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 you're not like the rest of those Christians. Yeah, you walk through the door and you're the only one in here like you. And back then there was only one service, so I might have been. Um, <laughs> but nobody beat me up, including God. And Paul's saying, you've got to learn how to use your past for good. It can encourage people, but let it go. It doesn't define you. That's not your identity. Let it go. And so that's the, the third reflection is, you know, you've got to be strategic about when to share and what to share. You have to be strategic. When I, I, I mentioned AA, so I had to go to a lot of meetings. I had to, at that point, and I think, you know, uh, sometimes I'm, I'm reticent to, to share because I shared so much then. Um, but you had to share ev all the time, and you had to say, I'm an alcoholic. And I thank God for AA. <laughs> Because if it wasn't for AA getting me sober long enough to hear the voice of the Lord, I wouldn't be here. So this is not a knock on AA, but I always had a problem calling myself an alcoholic because I didn't feel like, yeah, I could never drink again, but I didn't feel like that was my identity. I felt like I was the, what the Bible calls a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away. All things become new. You are a new creation. That's what I felt like. And I was free, and I was free of stuff, and I didn't want to sort of, 
I wanted to be able to use my past, but not live in it. And so we have to be strategic. How do we strategically share those things? Um, it's interesting to me that, well, a couple, I'll, I'll tell you a couple different stories about being strategic. One, when I got cleaned up and um, I got my job back on the, in the maritime industry, um, I, had, I got leprosy, I guess, because nobody would come near me. Um, and um, so whatever I had, there was like a 30-foot radius, I guess, around it. Um, and the wheelhouse was a lonely place. <laughs> uh, nobody wanted to visit. And, um, and so, I, you know, because you're excited. You're going, Lord, you just set me free. I want to share it with people. But people didn't want to hear. Um, and so I didn't want to, you know, bang them over the head with what God had done in my life. So I learned to be strategic. And there were opportunities for me to share bits and pieces with different people at work as, as the time, the appropriate time came up. Like, for instance, somebody went through a divorce. Uh, a friend of mine went through a divorce. And I was able to say, you know what? I've been there, and let's have a conversation. And in that conversation, I was able to encourage him and remind him that God is redemptive. And look at what God's done in my life. And um, there, you know, there are many examples of that. There were other people that had drinking problems. Imagine that, longshoremen's with drinking problems. Um, and, and they would come to me when it got bad enough. They'd come to me. They'd go, well, I know something happened in your life. What happened? And so I'd, I'd get to share at certain times. And it was a, it was a privilege. And so, but it was strategic. It wasn't every day saying, hey, everybody, you know what? Repent. <laughs> the other thing was, um, so I'm going to date myself here. Um, I have a 30-year high school reunion coming up. And um, with the advent of Facebook, um, people that haven't seen me for 30 years have found me. And, um, and so let me, let me preface this, right? Everybody I know, everybody that's my friend or loved one or you know, people I work with, uh, they, they never met BC Skip, right? My, not my wife, not my senior pastor. None of them knew the before Skip, right? They've only known Pastor Skip. And so now, all of a sudden, I've got all these people who are finding me on Facebook, and they don't know Pastor Skip. <laughs> they never met him. <laughs> they only know, uh, you know, they only know the, the previous guy. And so there's, there's these interesting conversations going on, and I can get to strategically share. Uh, with them what's happened to me on the good side. It's nice not having to share all your dirt. I get to share all the good now because they know all the dirt. They were a part of it, most of them, right? They were in there. So, um, so, so it's, this, it, it's kind of a, an interesting dynamic, this whole Facebook thing. But it's been very refreshing to me to be able to say, well, you know what? I'm connecting with people right now who only knew me before I was a pastor. And I haven't talked to those people since forever. 
And so there's this neat opportunity to share strategic parts about what God's done in my life um, since they knew me. All right. All right. So lastly, um, in uh, uh, verse uh, 18, Paul, now you've got to understand, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. It's basically a personal letter that he's just sharing. He's sharing what God's done in his life, but he's sharing with Timothy, this is what you need to do as you're, you know, you're my sort of protege, my mentee, as you're growing up. And, and so I want you to take some advice here. And he, he says, um, uh, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions, right? He says, cling to your faith in Christ. Keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. And as such, their faith has been shipwrecked. Um, listen, past... Our past victories are no guarantee of future success. And victory over the worst, it's only part of the journey, okay? So I'm hoping you hear a few things here, okay? I'm hoping you hear anything is possible with God. Wherever you're at, anything is possible. God can do it. God can do it. And don't be identified by that. Just use it. Learn how to use it for good, but don't live in it. Don't say, that, that, that's me. I'm, I'm just the, the worst. I'm the worst, right? That's not you. You're a new creation. But I'm also saying, you know what? That victory, that whatever that baptism was in 1995 when I got set free of stuff, that can't sustain me forever. God's got new victories new horizons, new things to push into. And I have to stay the course. I don't want to get shipwrecked. And that takes participating with God, keeping our conscience clear, working at things. Listen, if I went back and started drinking tomorrow, all this would be gone. You know, whatever I was broken free of, it'd come back with a vengeance, maybe worse than ever. So I have to contend. I have to keep at this thing. And there are new victories for us. There are new things God wants to do in us. Our past victory, we can't live off that. That's, that there's a phrase, yesterday's manna, uh, that talked about you know, the, the Israelites only were given enough bread, enough manna for that day. And if they try to gather for tomorrow, it, it went rotten. All right? You can't live on yesterday's manna. And so... God's got new things and new victories and new possibilities for us. So there's all kinds of things going on here. I really connected with Paul uh, about this. And so uh, I'm going to pray in, in just a sec. And then we're, we're going to have our, our closing song. Listen, here's the deal. We don't do this very often, but we're doing it today because I'm in charge. <laughs> right? We're doing, it's going to be a, a rock and roll closing. Okay, more than usual. And, um, and it's because I felt like, listen, that's my past. And when I broke free of it, when I got broke free of that thing, this is, the t this is how I feel, right? God just got rid of my shame, my guilt. He, he delivered me. He broke, broke in. He shined on me. I met him. There was victory. And this song sings about it with passion, okay? Sings about it with passion. So we're going to do that in a sec, but let me pray. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are a God who can and will do anything. 
and that none of us are beyond your grace because I'm a living example that when we think it's over, when we have failed, when we have completely given up hope and we're ready to check out, even there you can move in and deliver. And I wasn't even, I wasn't even searching you, and yet somehow you made your way into my life and broke me free of things I thought were impossible. And so I pray that you would encourage us to remind us that, Lord, whatever we're dealing with, maybe stuff from our past, maybe stuff from our recent past, whatever it is we're dealing with, you are bigger than that. You are bigger than that, and you could set us free. And I pray also, Lord, that you would encourage us to share. Maybe some of us have things from our past that are a little dark, little uh, things that we don't want to share, and you're prompting us, you know what, I can use this strategically if you'll be open to sharing with other people what I've done in your life. And maybe you're just saying, okay, stop living on yesterday's minute. Push forward. Go for a new victory. Push in. Contend. I'm not sure which one it is. I'm sure we're all in different places, Lord, but I pray you would speak to all of us and remind us of what a gracious and patient God you are. I'm a living example of that, Lord. You delivered me and I pray for deliverance in all of us. In Jesus' name, amen.